This morning I want to preach out of John, Gospel of John chapter 19. Start, let's start up at verse 1. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. Behold the man. I'm going to preach this morning, Behold the man, Jesus Christ. Behold the man. Pilate brings forth Jesus Christ and sets him in front of the crowd and he says, Behold the man. This morning I want us to look at this man. I want us to behold the man that Pilate took and stood before the Jews. Look at verse 1. Back up at verse 1. This man, this man Jesus Christ, it says, Then Pilate therefore took Jesus, this man Jesus, and scourged him. You know, when I was getting this sermon ready, I was uh, getting stuff ready for Behold the Man, and I'm, I'm getting some different things gathered, and, and uh, I'm going through the week thinking about it, meditating on it, and then I get up here to preach it, and then I get emotional. Never even seen it coming. Never thought, you know, never even occurred to me that this would be an emotional message to preach, but it is very emotional. When you think about a man named Jesus that did nothing wrong and they scourged him. See that word scourge? That's a little word for y'all to read. That's incredible pain. They would take these whips, with a scourging, they would take these whips and had long leather. I think Brother Ronnie was making something like this for Brother Eubanks for him to use during his preaching and his, as an illustration. But the point is, is that he, had this, he made this scourge and he made these uh, leather straps come out like this and they put a little bone and, and they put little pieces of bone and metal in there and, and, and the little hooks, sometimes they'd, they, they'd put in the little hooks in there and they'd lay that man down and they'd stretch that man over there and they'd take that whip and they would just whip him on his back. And they would whip him and they would whip him and they would whip him. And they would tear into his flesh. There's no way for us to understand the pain that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ went through. Amen. For me and for you. He didn't have to, but he did. This man standing before these Jews had been scourged as he stood there. No doubt blood running down his back. It's hard for us to understand the pain that our Lord and Savior went through for us, but I know a lot of us have went fishing. Most of us have been fishing in our lives, you know, and if you've been fishing any length of time, you've got a hook in your hand, or a hook in your thumb, or a hook, I hate that. It happens to me every time. I, I'm just clumsy, I guess. I've seen people get hooks in their head, or somebody on the other side of the boat was <laughs> willing out, and the hook whoosh, gets them in their head, ah, you know, scream out. That's Jesus Christ, with those hooks, with that leather, getting that hook you think about getting it in your hand and how painful it is. You're trying to pull that, but they wouldn't pull it out the right way. They would keep on pulling it and just pull it on and just rip that flesh. This is a man scourged. Verse 2, And soldiers planted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him with their hands. This is a man that's been smote. This is a man that's been beat. This is a man standing before them that obviously the, as, they, as the soldiers stood there, they just took their hands and they would just lay right into him. Just 
punch him in the side, punch him in the face. The Bible describes him getting his beard and then ripping on his beard, ripping some of his beard out. And if you've watched any kind of boxing or any kind of MMA fighting or anything like that in your life, you've seen these guys after just 10 minutes of that kind of fighting and their face would be swelling up and their eyeballs would be... This is a man standing here. This is a man. Behold the man that's been scourged and the man that's been beaten and how bloody must his face have been, how swollen must his face have been. This man, this man named Jesus Christ, smote, and they smote him. Why? The Bible didn't give an answer why they smote him. It, it's perplexing to me, the reason people hate Jesus Christ. This is a man that stands before you. Behold the man that was mocked. Look back up at verse 2 again. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns. They made a fake crown out of thorns for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And they made this crown of thorns and they took this crown of thorns and they took it and they plaited it on his head. And I tried to warn the kids that come into the church that said, you see that? Don't mess with that right there. That's real. That's, that's real thorns. That crown of thorn I'm holding in my hands, that's a, that's a real crown of thorns. I try to warn the kids, it'll poke you, it's real. And I can't even imagine somebody taking that crown right there and taking it and just shoving it down on my head. But they did that for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ did that for me and you. Say, so why would he do that, brother? That, was, that crown of thorn represents all the sins that go through our mind. But they were mocking him. Platting a crown of thorns, making it like a... Instead of a golden crown that our Lord and Savior one day will wear, that's wearing today, they put a crown of thorns on him and put it on his head and they put him on a purple robe. That robe is a robe of kingship. That robe is a royalty. They were mocking him as being a king and they said, and said, Hail, King of the Jews. No, no doubt they were laughing at him and mocking him and making, this is a man that's been mocked. It was not enough to physically scourge him and abuse him and beat him and whip him. They had to emotionally abuse him. Sometimes I think, and maybe I hadn't been through enough in this world, I know I haven't, but sometimes I think emotional abuse is just as bad, if not worse, than physical abuse. Some of the things people have said to me, I'd wish they'd rather just punch me in the face. I'd rather them had just punched me in the face than say some of the words that have come out of it. Some of the loved ones I've, I've known that have come up to me and said some of the most awful things to me. I wish they would have just hit me in the face. I would have took it a lot better if they would have just hit me in the face. Our Savior was mocked. He was scourged. The world has a saying that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie straight out of hell. Words do hurt. Words do have power. We know that. And this is a man, behold the man that stands before you that's been scorched, that's been beat, that's been mocked, emotionally abused. Not only physically, but emotionally. This is a man that stands before you as an innocent man. Look at verse 4. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto him, Behold, I bring him forth to you that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priest therefore and the officers saw him, they cried out saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. 
This is a man that stands before you innocent. His own judge, Pilate, his judge, Pilate says, I find no fault in him. Twice. Judas, after he betrayed his master, Jesus Christ, Judas, after he betrayed him for silver, when he went to take the silver back, he went to take the silver back and he told the priest, he says, I've betrayed the innocent blood. One of the most innocent men you're ever going to run across had been betrayed. Pilate says, I find no fault in him. What's wrong with this man? Why do you want to kill him? Why do you want to crucify him? I have the same question to atheists. Some people I know that are atheists, and I don't know them that well, but I hear them on TV and hear them out through different places, and I always wonder, okay, you, you, you don't like Jesus Christ, I get that, but why do you hate Him? What has He done to you that makes you hate Him? A man that did nothing but show love? A man that healed the blind? A man that forgave sinners? This man was innocent. Behold the man as he stands before you scourged and smoked, mocked and innocent. The question has to be asked to Pilate. If you find no fault in him, why did you scourge him? Why did you beat him? There is no answer that can come back. There is no truthful answer why somebody would hate the man Jesus Christ as much as people hate Jesus Christ. Pilate says, I find no fault in him. The world, when they examine Jesus Christ, honestly has to say, you know what? I find no fault in him. Listen, you don't like me? I understand that. I don't like me half the time. You might find faults with me. You might find faults with the members of Indian Gap Baptist Church, but you won't find a fault with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Your problem's not with me. Your problem's with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now listen to me. Keegan Hall is not going to judge you in the end times. Keegan Hall's not going to sit on a throne and judge you for all your sins. It's my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You need to get right with Him. And can I say to you, is there any fault in this man? As he stands before you, behold the man. Is there any fault with Jesus Christ? Took little children and put them up in his lap. Raised the dead. Shed tears for loved ones. When the storm came up on the sea, would stand on the bow of the ship and calm the storm down for his loved ones, his friends. You won't find a fault with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Pilate, after he examined him, after he beat him, after he scourged him, he brought him forth and said, I find no fault in this man. He's an innocent man. He's innocent. But he's accused. Look at verse 6. When the chief priest, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said unto him, Take ye him and crucify him. For I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, answered Pilate, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die because he made himself the Son of God. Behold the man, an innocent man, stand accused. It's a man that's accused by the Jews. 
What is the accusation? The one accusation they bring against our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? He makes Himself out to be the Son of God. If you stand skeptical, in doubt, do you stand like a Jew saying He makes Himself out to be the Son of God? Jesus says He's God manifest in the flesh. If you stand accusing Jesus Christ, can I ask you a question? Has it ever crossed your mind that maybe He is the Son of God? Maybe you're wrong. Maybe your idea that there can never be a man that's the Son of God. There can never be God manifest in the flesh. Can I present to you that maybe, just maybe, you're wrong? This man I present to you, behold the man, raised the dead. After three days, raised the dead. This isn't no ordinary man. This man healed the blind. Healed the leper. This man isn't any ordinary man. This man walked through walls and appeared. This isn't any ordinary man. Can I ask you to search your mind and to think that maybe, just maybe, he is who he said he is and is the Son of God. I find no fault in him. Well, of fault I found with him, he said he is the way. And he said, nobody comes to the Father but by him. That's the fault I find in him. My friend, you better take a step back and listen to what Jesus Christ said. And find out, if a man says that, you better find out, what if he is telling the truth? He's not accused in my eyes. I find no fault in him. I believe he is the Son of God. This is a man accused for being the Son of God when I believe He is the very Son of a living God. Amen. Verse 8, When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. See, Pilate had been dealing with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He'd been dealing with this man Jesus. And his wife had come to him and warned him in the other Gospels. And she had came and told him, Don't have anything to do with this man. I had a dream about this man. had nothing to do with him. Everybody that had an encounter with this man came away saying, this man isn't like any other man. Amen. The police that were sent to arrest Jesus Christ earlier on in his life, they came back to their, they came back, they came back to the priest and they told the priest, never a man spake like this man. This wasn't any ordinary man. And Pilate had been dealing with him and brought him forth and said, behold the man, I find no fault in him. And they said, he's the son of God. Pilate came back and said, uh, I'm a little bit of afraid of what's going on here. Because see, Pilate had had a close encounter with this man, Jesus. And when you have a close encounter with Jesus Christ, you'll be just like me. You'll know he's the Son of God. Amen. He knows the accusation is that he calls himself the Son of God. And when Pilate hears that, it says he was the more afraid. Verse 9, and went again into the judgment hall and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Behold the man, a man of few words. A man of few words. 
See, Pilate comes in and says, Jesus, where are you from? Everybody knows where Jesus is from. He's from Galilee. He's the man of Galilee. Everybody knows Jesus Christ was a Galilean. But see, when Pilate hears that Jesus Christ is calling himself the Son of God, and Pilate gets a close encounter with this Son of God, he comes to Jesus and looks him square in the eyes and says, Where are you from? Pilate's afraid. He might just be dealing with the Son of God. Come from heaven. Not from Galilee. But from heaven. Pilate's not stupid. Whence art thou? Where are you from? This is a man, behold the man that stands before you, that's a man of few words. He was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Isaiah chapter 53. See, Jesus Christ was taking it like a man. He was taking it like a man. Can you imagine yourself in the same situation being accused falsely? Whipped, falsely, beat, falsely, mocked, falsely, and not say one word back. Not say, I'm innocent, I'm innocent, I'm innocent. Jesus Christ isn't like us. Jesus Christ was laying down His life for His friends. And He knew He had to do it. And He spoke not a word. He was a man of few words. Verse 10, Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee? And have power to release thee? Pilate's starting to lose his temper a little bit. He said, Don't you know what I can do to you? Answer me. This man a few words, Behold the man. When he does speak, he speaks of heavenly words. Look at verse 11. Jesus answered, Thou couldest have no power at all against me except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. When our Lord and Savior speaks, this man, Jesus Christ, behold the man, he speaks with heavenly words. See, when we go through this life and we speak of things, we speak of earthly things. We speak of things that we know about down here on earth. But our Lord and Savior, he spoke of heavenly things. Spiritual things. Because behold the man, he's from heaven. A man from heaven is going to speak of heavenly things. That's why you can't speak of heavenly things unless you're saved. Unless you're a born again believer and the Holy Spirit's living in you, you can't speak of heavenly things. You can't sing the songs of heaven not knowing where you're going. The reason why the songs of heaven, the songs of a mansion, the songs of a river, the songs of streets of gold mean so much to this old preacher right here is because that's where I'm going. And that's the Holy Spirit in me. The Holy Spirit in me that's been there, that's in there, that lives there. He lives there and He lives in me. And He cries out, Father, I want to go home. I'm tired of this old world. I want to go home. I want to go to my mansion. I want to go to heaven. Behold the man. is a man of few words. But he speaks words that are heavenly. 
Verse 12, And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was in the preparation of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king! But they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate saith unto him, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Behold the man that's called the king of the Jews. See back up at verse 3. Hail, king of the Jews. See, the Roman soldiers called him king of the Jews. Pilate brought him forth and said, Behold your king! Jesus, in verse 19, as he hung on the cross, Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Behold the man called the king of the Jews. My Christian friends, if you have a problem with the Jew... If you have a problem with Israel, if you hate a Jew, if you hate Israel, you're hating Jesus Christ. Amen. Your Lord and Savior is a Jew. If you hate Jews, if you hate Israel, you're a fool if you're a Christian. Your Lord and Savior is a Jew. Amen. This book was written by Jews. You have a Jewish king. Amen. This is your king. King Jesus, the king of the Jews. And as this world grows more anti-Semitic and more anti-Semitic and against Zionism, as they grow harsher and harsher against the Jew, we know it's against Jesus Christ. Because He's a Jew. You're a fool to hate the Jews. Guys, you've got to watch out how you treat the Jew. You've got to watch how you treat the Jew. You don't want to mistreat a Jew. God's got His eyes on the Jew. You might not like them. You might not like the way they talk. You might not like the way they act. But you better watch out because that Jew is Jesus' brother or sister. He's the king of the Jews. Behold the man. Verse 16, in closing. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified, and they took Jesus and led him away. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him, two of their with him, and on either side one, and Jesus in the midst. Behold the man, a crucified man, crucified for the sins of the world. Jesus Christ, as he stood, as Pilate brought him forth, and with that robe and that crown, must he have not have been a pitiful sight? Swelled up face, blood running everywhere, cuts all over his face, crown of thorns, a robe with blood all over it. Pilate bring him forth and Pilate said, Behold the man. What would it have been like to have been out in the crowd when Jesus Christ was presented? Behold the man. And over on the other side of the crowd, you could hear somebody yell, That man healed me of my blindness. That man healed my daughter of her sickness. Behold the man. Maybe around on the other side of the crowd. That man healed my leprosy. Another voice from the crowd. That man healed my son of an evil spirit. Maybe way off over there you hear somebody say, That man 
Raise me from the dead. And maybe there'd be a young woman there with tears rolling down her cheeks. That man, that man, when I was called in adultery, in the very act of adultery, should have been put to death, that man forgave me and washed me of all my sins. Behold the man as they yell, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. As we sit here and we listen and we read where they crucify him, crucify him, we think, oh, how awful, how terrible. But let me present to you this morning, knowing what you know about yourself, knowing that you're a sinner, bound for hell, without that precious blood on the cross of Calvary, knowing what you know, can I not say to you that you would have to bow your head and with a shame face say, crucify Him. Oh God, be merciful to me, Lord, but you're going to have to crucify Him. He's an innocent man. He's a just man. He's the most wonderful man I've ever known, but you're going to have to crucify Him, Lord, if I'm going to get to heaven. You're going to have to crucify him. You know, down over in Brownwood, in closing, they had a homeless man burned to death. He lived behind some of the businesses back there in the woods. And he was laying on a mattress and evidently fell asleep. And we don't know if he had a fire there or if he was smoking a cigarette or what had happened, but burned him to death. Firemen went over there and tried to put it out. Well, they sent the city over there and we had to clean all those woods up. And being a brush crew, I had to go over there and pick that stuff up. And I went over there to check it out. We were just kind of looking around. They had left the mattress there. The man had died on. They had to take that mattress. But this is awful, you know. And I sit there. Somebody had come along and put a cross there. I don't know if somebody knew this man that had died. This poor homeless man that had died. They had put a cross there. And there was a mattress. And, they, and uh, my boss was there. And he goes, out there was where the mattress was. And I was thinking, yeah, that's about right. And that was about three or four feet away from where I was. And I looked down right on the ground. I found one of our gospel coins. And it struck me as I seen that gospel coin laying on the ground. I said, oh, there's one of our gospel coins. And this man was just right around the corner from the Salvation Army. And you remember old Jerry, he'd, he'd grab a whole handful every Sunday and take these gospel coins up there and give them away to those poor people that didn't have nothing to eat there at the Salvation Army. He was handing these gospel coins out. And I, we're the only ones I know that have these gospel coins. So there's no doubt in my mind this gospel coin is our gospel coin. Amen. And it was laying three feet from where that mattress was, where that poor, poor homeless man died. And I reached down to pick up that gospel coin out of the dirt. side of this coin, it says, For the wages of sin is death. It has a skull and a crossbones. And on the head side, you flip it over and it says, But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And it has Jesus Christ's hand and it has the nail in the hand. A crucified man. And it just occurred to me, and maybe I have a wild imagination, but it just occurred to me that that homeless man pick up this gospel coin, and he's going to sleep that night, that he have that gospel coin in his hand and think, I don't need this. And he just not flip that coin off, and it hit the ground three or four foot away from him. And he laid his head down on that mattress, and he was going to wake up the next morning dead in eternity. If you've never come to the crucified man, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, 
There's hell waiting on you. I don't care if you're a homeless man or if you're living in a mansion on this earth. You're going to hell. You need this man. You need the man, Jesus Christ. You know, there's other places in the Bible where they said, Behold, behold. And one of my favorite places is when John the Baptist first sees Jesus Christ. Behold the Lamb of God who's going to take away the sins of the world. Has He took away your sins? Has He took away your sins? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to You humbly as a sinner. Oh, Lord, thank You for Jesus Christ. Thank You for the crucifixion, Lord. Thank You for the precious blood of Jesus Christ washing away my sins. Lord, I'd be going to hell like a bullet if it wasn't for the crucifixion of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I just want to thank You. Thank You, Lord God, that You save sinners. Lord God, that You're a forgiving God. Lord God, and thank You for calling me. Thank You for sending somebody my way to tell me about Jesus Christ. Lord, thank You for giving me the faith to believe in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But Lord, thanks again for putting Him in that grave and raising Him up on the third day. Lord, I just want to thank You for my risen Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to thank You for a King. My King, Lord. And Lord, I want to ask You, Lord, if You'll send Your Holy Spirit around this morning to anybody that's underneath the sound of my voice that's never took Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Lord, speak to their heart about this man. Help them to behold the man. Lord, help them to see him like I see him, Lord, as the Son of God. Lord, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for taking care of us. Lord, and thank you so much for the Lamb that you sent our way to die for our sins. Praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now, we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.